If we want to give our whole life to God, should we exercise? Is exercise a waste of time or an act of worship in the cult of the body, or is it an essential element to human flourishing? This episode of Physically Spiritual explores exercise. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I've been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I have discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. Welcome back to Physically Spiritual. As we get started, I want to share some opportunities of how you can join in the great mission of Awakened Catholic. Here at Awakened Catholic, we're passionate about sharing the truth of the Catholic faith through beauty especially in events and on different forms of new media on the internet. If you want to support everything we're doing, please consider joining the Awakened Nation. The Awakened Nation is a community of patrons that monetarily support the mission of Awakened Catholic with a monthly or annual gift. That support goes to produce all of these shows and publish them online to the maintenance of the Awakened app and to all the efforts of Awakened Catholic. As I mentioned, Awaken has an app. One of the best experiences of all the shows is the Awaken app. The Awaken app uh, includes discussion boards and alternative to social media, uh, opportunity to interact with any of the show hosts, uh, access to prayers, music, and all of your benefits if you're a member of the Awaken Nation. So go to theawakenapp.io or search for the Awaken app on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store to get the app. And please, uh, if you love what you hear here, or even if you hate it, like, follow, subscribe, hit the bell, uh, the thumbs up, comment, rate the show. All of the interaction with the show helps a word to get out. Um, all the interaction encourages the different platforms that we appear on um, that people want to see this. They want to hear this or they, they want to see it and hear it to argue with us about it. Either way, uh, we love to hear from you. So please interact with the content. And if you want to find anything I'm working on, you can go to Becoming Gift. Dot com. So this episode of Physically Spiritual is digging into the idea of exercise from the perspective of faith. In season two, we're going through the three-legged stool, which are the, the three areas of life that support our growth toward God, becoming more and more the person God's calling us to be. Uh, so this is the sixth episode about different forms of asceticism, and we're considering asceticism from the perspective of uh, Asceticism is a, a discipline or action, a way of mortifying our flesh or making sacrifices for the Lord. And we're considering throughout the season seven ways that we can both um, at the same time make sacrifices for the Lord, do difficult things for the Lord, or mortify our flesh, our desires, and at the same time grow in health and, and grow in flourishing. Um, so in this episode, we are getting into exercise. Uh, I want to start with some scripture. There's not a lot of scripture on exercise, um, and we'll address that a little bit more later. Uh, but to start out from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, he says, For while physical training is of limited value, devotion is valuable in every respect, since it holds a promise of life, both for the present and for the future. So uh, in Paul's writings to Timothy, he starts out kind of bearish on exercise, right? He says, while physical training is of limited value, right? Of limited value. So this is important. 
one, it's not the end all and be all. It is limited value. If you if you look at some of the uh, exercise gurus of today, fitness trainers and uh, different uh, proponents, you might think that fitness is like the most important thing in life. Exercise is the most important thing in life, but it's of limited value. But it is of value. Notice Paul doesn't say it's of no value. He says it's of limited value, meaning it does have value. It is important. In his letter to the Corinthians, he says, um, chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Do you not know that the runners in the stadium all run in the race, but only one wins the prize? Run so as to win. Every athlete exercises discipline in every way. They do it to win a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. Thus I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight as if I were shadow boxing. No, I drive my body and train it for fear that after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Right, so Paul here is talking about driving his body, training it. And likely he's not referring here to what we think of an exercise in the modern terms, but he is talking about having discipline in his lifestyle, right? That, that it's essential to discipline the body, to train the body, to, uh, to help it to be ordered to what the Lord would want it to be. And, and he's afraid that if he doesn't train his body, that if he doesn't have any order to his life, that he's going to fall away from the virtue that he knows and preaches, that he's going to become a countersign, that he's going to become a sign of contradiction to the message that he's preaching. Uh, so I, I think from this, we can find that there's a, a foundation uh, that exercise has a place in the life of the disciple. While it's not of preeminent importance, it's not essential, as in like maybe if you don't exercise, it's not like your salvation's at risk or something like that, but exercise does have real value. I know in my life, um, I've experienced this, both that exercise is valuable, but it's not the be-all and end-all. You know, I've, I've talked some before about my weight loss journey. Well, the, the first 50 pounds that I lost, I didn't do any exercise. It was all diet. It was all diet and just changing what I was eating. I went from about 372 pounds to 320-ish pounds with no exercise. It was all just changing what I ate. The next 50 pounds, all I did was walk. I just tried to do the 10,000 steps a day that so many people recommend. You know, I wasn't out lifting weights or running or playing sports or anything, just trying to walk more, just trying to move a little bit more. It wasn't until I'd lost over 100 pounds that I started to really exercise. And, and I think that was actually pretty important because when I was so heavy, when I was almost 400 pounds, it could have actually been harmful for me to exercise. Right? I could have injured myself. I could have um, just put undue stress on my joints, right? It was important for me to lose that weight first and then to build an exercise routine. And over the years, my exercise has included uh, different forms of weight training, a lot of calisthenics, walking and hiking. Uh, I participate in a fitness group that does like boot camp style workouts and even some running now. Um, so the exercise has, has grown as I've lost weight and been able to do it. So it was valuable but it wasn't the key. You know, I've heard it say that you can't outrun a bad diet. <laughs> and what, what people are trying to express when they say that is, um, is that uh, regardless of how much you exercise, it's not going to be the biggest portion of that health picture. Um, some people also say that abs are made in the kitchen. And I don't think abs are a worthwhile goal to have in life. But what it's expressing is no matter how many sit-ups you do, you're never going to see the muscle until you change your diet. 
And that's the biggest lever, the biggest change that needs to happen. I think it's important to recognize that exercise is really kind of a modern phenomenon. This exercise culture that's come up, this idea of exercise, you know, people of past ages, it's not that exercise didn't exist, but it was really maybe a luxury of the wealthy. People trained for sports if they were an athlete. Um, but mostly, I think life provided sufficient movement for health. Um, and, and so I think the scripture doesn't say a lot about exercise because, frankly, people probably didn't do it. You know, life was hard, whether you were involved in, in some labor, some trade, uh, maybe you were a shepherd, a farmer, um, but most people ended up having to do a lot of labor just to make a living, to get by. Uh, you know, when we look at modern recommendations for exercise, the, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control in the United States, recommends 150 minutes of moderate exercise a week. A week. So that's ballpark 20 to 25 minutes a day, maybe an hour, three times a week, whatever way you want to break it up. And then a common recommendation is something like 10,000 steps a day. You know, if you get a fitness tracker or something like that, they're probably going to propose, oh, a 10,000 a day step goal. But when we look at modern hunter-gatherer groups, meaning people in the contemporary world who still live a life closer to our ancestors, now that caveat closer is important. You know, modern hunter-gatherers don't live like our ancestors, and frankly, our ancestors lived in a diversity of ways. So uh, modern hunter-gatherer groups give us, I think, a window that hints at the conditions that brought about the human body, but it isn't a be-all and end-all of information. But studies to modern hunter-gatherer groups have suggested that they um, do somewhere in the ballpark of 15,000 steps a day and 150 minutes of moderate exercise every one to two days. So this means what, what was being recommended to us in a week, these people who, who live a lifestyle probably more like the conditions that made the human body what it is, they do that in a day or two. Uh, so what this means is that uh, what the conditions that we're living in in contemporary society, we are drastically under-moving. <laughs> we're, we're living a lifestyle that's way too sedentary. You know, some people make grandiose claims like sitting is the new smoking. And I don't know if statements like that make any sense. But what they're trying to get across is we're, we're killing ourselves by just not doing anything. Um, so... Uh, but on the other hand, we can fall, I think, into an extreme where you have to do these like grueling, uh, life-sucking workouts, <laughs> you know, like the, the fitness class model or the extreme, uh, you know, gym session that lasts for hours or whatever. Sometimes we can get and think that in order to exercise well, we need to do this, this massive overhaul of our life where we give up significant portions of our time. Um, to do this kind of exercise. And I, I'm not sure that's the right answer for everyone either. Uh, research that I've seen suggests that there's really kind of a sweet spot with exercise. Like so many things in life, it's a U-curve. Um, you know, if you look at people that live a long time, 80, 90, 100 years, a lot of them aren't extreme sport athletes or long distance runners or um, power lifters or football players or anything like that. Right? There's, there's a point where exercise could actually start to decrease our lifespan. It's a, it's a, a trauma to the body. Um, so there's a, a, a minimum, I think, effective dose of exercise and then a maximum effective dose of exercise. 
And once you get beyond a certain point, you have a diminishing result. And then eventually you're actually harming yourself. And then on the other end of the extreme, there's a point where you're not doing enough to really make a difference or you're just not doing anything at all. So we want to try to seek to be somewhere in the sweet spot of that curve right, where, we're, where we're using a minimum or maximum effective dose mindset and, and using our time wisely. Uh, so how can we start to seek that? Well, this insight into the hunter-gatherer lifestyle, I think, gives us a good starting point. But you have to choose a kind of exercise that fits your life. Um, so moving toward 1,500 steps a day, how can you get more moderate movement? It could just be taking the steps at work, parking further away from the office, uh, using a standing desk or a treadmill desk. It could be starting hobbies that have you move, like instead of watching TV, maybe it's gardening or maybe it's um, playing a sport or maybe you do want to join a, a gym or a fitness group, but starting to integrate things into your life that encourage movement, that encourage you to not neglect your body, but engage your body. Uh, paired with our ancestors' regular movement, they actually also paired it with occasional rest so that the, the hunter-gatherer might have moved a lot for a couple hours a day, but the rest of their day, they were sitting around. They were resting. They were, um, they were spending time together in community. They were sitting around the campfire. They were um, doing common projects together at their home or what have you. Uh, so it's important to pair rest with movement. And this is also something that we can forget, that we need to rest and we need to rest well. There are some uh, side benefits to exercise. You know, it's not just a matter of burning calories or using up energy or, or strengthening muscles, but our bodies are designed to move and to move a lot. So there are a lot of, of side benefits to exercising. One uh, emerging area of research in the last 10 years is the way that exercise affects the brain. Exercise um, staves off almost every chronic disease from cardiovascular disease. It could be blood sugar issues or diabetes. It could be um, dementia. It could be Alzheimer's, even cancer. Uh, we, exercise, it's suggested, has positive benefits at staving off all forms of chronic disease. Uh, but even to get more into the weeds, exercise is, is associated with a greater release of this stuff called BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor. It, I've heard this described as miracle growth for the brain. Um, so if, if you feel like you have maybe some cognitive decline, you have a hard time remembering things, you have a hard time learning things, like your brain just isn't working as well as it could, this stuff is what you want to have in your life, this BDNF, this exercise. So, so doing a, a good amount of, um, of medium exercise, a short amount of, of intense exercise, or a long amount of, of low-level exercise can help to... Um, to increase the BDNF in the brain. There's also a lot of stress relief that goes along with exercise. I've mentioned before, and I think it's important, we can fight chronic stress with acute stress. Exercise itself is a stressor. You know, if you, if you, if you measure your heart rate variability, HRV, that's the measure of the, the different uh, lengths of time between your heart beats, your heart rate variability actually goes down when you exercise. And Increased heart rate variability is a sign that you're in a, a safe state, that you feel connected, that your body can rest and digest and heal. So when you do exercise, you put stress on the body. You have a lower HRV. Um, but that, that 
temporary acute stressor of that run or that weightlifting or that fitness thing or whatever you do, then can help for the rest of your day, your heart rate variability to be higher. So fighting um, chronic stress with acute stress. One of the workout groups I go to, they have a saying that, that this is the hardest thing you're going to do all day. This is the hardest thing you're going to do all day. We, we meet early first thing in the morning. And the idea is that you start off your day and the workout you, you have to get through is the hardest thing you're going to do all day. So, so you're fighting all these little teeny acute, these little teeny, excuse me, chronic stressors, all the little things you have to do every day by starting off your day with something strong and difficult. But it puts it all in context, both on a psychological level, but then also has the other benefit of actually releasing the stress hormone in your body. It, it does help you de-stress, and many people report this. So let's talk about um, exercise from a supernatural perspective a little bit, because it's not without pitfalls. You know, it isn't without problems. The catechism warns against this idea of the cult of the body, that in our modern world, people focus on their physical health to an extreme and it's to the neglect of their spiritual health. So it's important that we recognize that exercise isn't a good in and of itself. It's for the purpose of health. It's for the purpose of the flourishing of our body so that we can become the person God's calling us to be. You know, let's just think of a few of them. We could actually exercise to the point where we're neglecting our other duties in life. You know, if you're working a full-time job and have a family at home, it might not fit into your life to be a marathon runner, which includes hours of training every week. It just might not fit. It might be something that you should give up for a while in order to be present to your family. Now, it might fit your guys' lifestyle. It might fit uh, your, your stage in life, but it might not. So the exercise has to fit your duties, right? It can't take up space from things that the Lord has put in your life and you have to give yourself to. Another thing you need to watch out for is vanity, right? Gyms are just covered in mirrors, right? And when, when you exercise, you look better than you do any other time. It, it, it almost encourages a certain kind of vanity or worship of your own body, you know, and then, then there can also be, I think, a, a, a lust dynamic with exercise, of both lusting after other people who are exercising and also wanting to be lusted after, which is another form of lust. So this, this other sin that we can fall into, and it's a common trap that people in the, I think that get into exercise can fall into. So we have to recognize that there are pitfalls, there are traps that we have to be attuned to, and these things can take us off course and actually make the exercise unfruitful, can take us away from the Lord. But just because there's possible pitfalls doesn't mean it's something that should be avoided altogether. I think in the context of our, of our modern world, in the context of our lifestyles that are so sedentary, if we're not exercising, if our life doesn't provide enough movement and we're not exercising, we're actually being negligent to our health and then ultimately negligent to taking care of the temple of our body that God gave us. So I think some kind of exercise makes sense for everyone. Now, for some people, you might have some kind of physically laborious job, right? So that's your exercise. You're probably walking 20, 25,000 steps a day if you're doing construction or you're a maintenance worker or something like that. Uh, on the other hand, you might have little kids running around the house and you're chasing around children all day. Well, that could be a lot of exercise. Uh, so don't think when I say that, that means you got to go get a gym membership. No, 
no, I've, I've exercised for years without going to the gym. Um, and you can make it make sense in the context of your life. I think a helpful way to think of exercise is a concept I learned from Dr. Peter Atia. I've uh, linked some of his podcasts in previous episodes, and I'll put some in the notes with this one if you want to go deeper with this. He proposes an idea called the Centenary Olympics. The Centenary Olympics. Centenary is in living for 100 years. So Dr. Atia is specifically interested in longevity, helping people live long lives. But longevity is also a good proximate idea for holistic human flourishing in the present. Right, like I said, uh, people, some people overexercise or they harm their bodies to the extent of uh, accomplishing performance in some sport or something like that. Um, so from that context, those models of exercise formed from extreme sports or different kinds of competitive sports aren't necessarily good for emulating if you're just trying to be healthy and live a long life and have a, a good life. Uh, but from this perspective that Dr. T gives is the Centenary Olympics to think where do I want to be if I live to 100? Not saying you are, but what do you want to still be able to accomplish? And then to start training now in light of the eventual physical decline in your body at that point. You know, like things that you might want to think of are like, I want to be able to walk on my own strength and with my own balance, meaning not with a cane or a walker. I want to be able to get up out of a chair. I want to be able to climb steps. I want to be able to place my suitcase in the overhead bin of an airplane, right? What are these movements of, of just doing life? I want to be able to get on the floor and play with my grandchildren. I want to be able to go on a walk with my, my children when they're adults, right? What are these uh, holistic, life-engaging things that we hope to do? And when we focus on it this way, I think it puts us in a place of perspective where what we're focused on are larger muscles in the body that aren't as emphasized in the exercise culture, right? Our exercise culture is littered with um, centerfolds and models of superhero-looking figures with their shirts off on magazine covers and in commercials, right? And what it's focusing on are muscles like your your biceps and your pectoral muscles and your, you know, really frankly, not the most important muscles for your day-to-day -day flourishing, like how often during the day are you pushing something away from yourself or, or lifting something up with your bicep? You know, these are kind of like the secondary things that we are focusing on sometimes developing or like developed abdomen muscles, like really just means that you have low body fat percent, which, you know, if you have an infectious disease actually isn't particularly helpful to be that thin. Um, so we, we focus on these things, I think, to the detriment of the overall health picture the most important things for this kind of longevity, this basic health, are things like balance, being able to hold yourself up regardless of your posture, right? Can you stand comfortably on one foot when you bend over, when you pick something up, et cetera, et cetera, and strength of the big muscles. When I say big muscles, I mean like your legs and your trunk. So just a simple pushing and pulling motion with your upper body in pushing and pulling motion with your lower body. And then also then your endurance, just your, your simple cardiovascular. And here isn't like running a marathon kind of endurance. I'm just talking about, can you walk up the steps without losing your breath? You know, can you walk around the block? When you go on vacation and you have to walk around a city, are you comfortable? 
or are you uncomfortable? Right. So these are the things that we can start focusing on. And then that can inform the kind of exercise that we do. Um, and when you're in your 30s and 40s, it's really a, a time when you're more able to start building that strength. I mean, when you're really young, like teenager 20s, like it's it's easier even still. But a lot of people that are now starting to think about this stuff are probably, you're probably in your 30s and 40s, 50s, or even older. Um, so you've kind of missed the boat of those first ages um, when it's really easy. But when you're 30 and 40 is really a time to start developing some of that core muscle mass, that core strength. Because as you get older, it becomes more and more difficult to develop muscle. Your body becomes less efficient at protein muscle synthesis, meaning your body's ability to utilize the protein that you eat and then turn it into muscle diminishes as you get older. And then you also have to then, in order to, to grow in muscle, you have to have um, extra, extra energy, extra nutrients. So you have to be at, at a place where you're sort of eating enough to, to give you what you need. And as you get older, that becomes a less and less wise idea to eat more than you need to eat. Um, so when you're younger, it's really time to develop that core muscle, especially that, that, that sitting movement, that going up the steps movement, that standing up movement off the ground. Um, so you can start, of course, before you start any exercise, talk to your doctor, like get wise counsel. If you do struggle with weight or have some other physical problem, like start working on your diet first, talk to your doctor, you know, be, be wise about this. Um, but just starting with, maybe you have a set of stairs in your house. Maybe it's going up and down the steps three, four, five, ten 10 times. Maybe start with one trip up and down the steps. Then after doing that for a month, start doing two trips up and down the steps. And then three, and then by the end of the year, you're doing the steps 12 times in a row. Uh, maybe you have a chair in your house that's not too low. And what you start by doing is just getting in and out of that chair 10 times, using the muscles in your legs. And then maybe you find a chair that's a little bit lower. And then after a few months with the high chair, you start doing the lower chair 10 or time, 12 times a day. And then you find that darn chair that's really low to the ground, or maybe even, frankly, the toilet with the seat down is the lowest chair in the house. So then you start practicing standing up off that low chair. After you practice those different layers, then you might actually try to get up off the ground and you can develop that muscle structure. Um, you might begin also then by working on your balance in various ways, whether it be different kinds of stretching you might do that put your body in different postures that engages those different core muscles, those balance muscles. Um, there, there are some great Catholic resources out there like uh, Pietra Fitness, Catholics, Soul Core. I'll put some links in the show notes to different um, Catholic fitness programs that utilize calisthenics, different forms of stretching, different movements that are inspired by yoga movements that help uh, take advantage of some of the, the, uh, the positive health benefits from that kind of exercise. Um, but all of these things help to start build that basic foundation, right? And it's so important to realize that this isn't for the sake of just looking good. I mean, looking good isn't a bad goal, especially maybe you want to look good for your spouse or you want to, um, maybe, you know, that being attractive will help your career or something like that. It's not like it's always bad to want to look good. Um, but on the other hand, if that's all it's about, it's pretty shallow, you know, but we're all, I think, called to this higher goal. Can I live a life of flourishing? Like, do I want to be able to serve the Lord until I'm 50? Or do I want to be able to serve the Lord until I'm 90? You know, just think of the great saints in history and ask, you know, 
What if they lived 20 more years? Like how much more good could they have done? And I don't want to look back on, on anyone's life and judge, you know, they should have done this, they could have done that, or what have you. But but thinking in this context, if you want to give your life to the Lord, you know, if maybe you're studying something that's important for the growth of society, how much more important is to have 10 more years of prime in your career, 10 more years of clear thought, 10 more years um, of being able to, to do good works for the world, 10 more years to worship, 10 more years to grow closer to the Lord. Like this is what's at stake. Um, and, and we can, by, um, by exercising, um, by, by doing this, we can, uh, we can give our life to the Lord in an even more profound way. You know, exercise is a great form of penance too. Penance is simply doing something difficult that, that mortifies your flesh, meaning that you're going to have passions toward things that aren't good for you, and you're going to have repulsions from things that are good for you. You have this whole uh, complex of attractions and repulsions, and it takes a certain strength of will to work against those passions and do what's truly good for you. So exercise is something difficult to strengthen that will, but it's also something you can offer up to the Lord. You know, before every workout— you might consecrate it. You give it to Mary and say, you know, this is for maybe for the, the conversion of your spouse or for uh, your, your child who's going through something difficult. Or you could consecrate it for conversion, the new evangelization, the work of your parish, the pro-life cause or something else you're passionate about. But that workout can be used by the Lord because if, if you're connecting it to the Lord in prayer and it's something difficult, it can be a form of penance. Um, so your, your exercise can also be a spiritual work. So I would encourage you to just think, what's my next right step? You know, it can be imprudent sometimes. We might think of uh, maybe the way you exercise when you were in high school or college or think, I'm going to go out and try to do that again. Well, if it's been 10 or 20 years, you should probably hold your horses and, um, you know, just take it step by step. Like, what's your next right step? You know, maybe you do struggle to get up out of a chair. And maybe it's getting that stool and just practicing getting in and out of it a few times a day. You know, maybe you just haven't exercised in the last few months and you just need to get back into what you were doing. But take it prudently, you know. Don't don't go all the way in. Maybe you can find uh, maybe a, a Christian fitness group that you can participate in virtually or even locally. A lot of parishes have um, Pietra fitness groups, athletics groups, um, uh, soul core groups or what have you that you can participate in, or you can uh, join these groups um, virtually and they have live streams and videos that you can get online. Join the gym down the street and get some coaching from someone, uh, but just do the next right thing. And more and more, we can make our lives an act of spiritual worship. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.